0: You know what? We are starting a new series today. Get to the heart of the matter. We're coming through the book of Galatians and we are going to take a hard look at what it means to focus on the right stuff. How can we have this freedom that's being talked about in the book of Galatians and yet a focus, a unit focus, one place, one stop, that's the place where we should be going. What should it be? Galatians just pours over that. Paul has written this letter to simply say, it's focus time. Don't lose your focus. There's one way to freedom. There's one way. Sounds very, really, uh, rather authoritative for this day and age. It's accurate. It's necessary. And we're going to be poring over it over the next couple of months here. Your Bible is going to be able to fall to Galatians like never before. Because we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Galatians and just learn. How can our heart be on fire for Him? How can we have a heart that is absolutely on fire for Jesus Christ? That's what we're going after. A heart on fire for Him. A focus for Him. Not getting into all the rest of the stuff. Just that unitary focus on Him. So let's get started. The Gospel-centered life. That's what we're on today. That's where Paul starts. You know... Uh, My daughter Megan was in uh, Penguin Project this last fall here, uh, September to December. And for those of you who don't know, Penguin Project is uh, this awesome program in the community here that works with special needs kids and helps give them a chance to do uh, basically some form of musical or presentation each year. This year they did Fiddler on the Roof. And so what they do is they match up some kids with special needs to some kids who are able to come alongside of them. And the two pair up, and they have pairs all over the place, and then they do this presentation. It was phenomenal. So we went to uh, Fiddler on the Roof this last week. Uh, What are there, four presentations that you guys are doing? I think that's what it was, four presentations. One more this afternoon, 2 o'clock, so if you still want to catch it, it's available. But uh, you know what? We had my parents come down as well. So my mom and dad came down, and we all went out on Friday night to see the show, and and, uh, then they slept overnight, and the next morning we were able to have a wonderful celebration of donuts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's one of those days where it was a late night, it was a great presentation, it was a great show, the kids did an awesome job, and so we get up the next morning and we have this, this awesomeness of chocolate icings and, and white frostings, and you know what I mean? And the donuts that are filled with stuff, and then the other donuts where there's a hole in them, and like, are you already hungry? You know what I'm saying? It's the kind where when you pick it up, they got a little bit of mass to them. I'm not talking about those wimpy little airy donuts. I'm talking like you pick them up and you feel like, wow, this could hurt somebody if you threw it at them. You know what I mean? Like we're talking good donuts. We love donuts. You know what? We as human beings love donuts. Different kind of donut, though, that I'm talking about now. Remember back in the Fight Right series, we talked about how we love to make that spiritual donut we take this glory of god the center of who he is the what he's asking us to go after we have this big purpose statement from god and then we wrap around it this kind of this is the way i'm going to go after it and we start to make little bits of rules if you will or boundaries but it's to respect god's glory and what he wants done and so we start setting up some things and those things that wrap around it end up all of a sudden becoming more important to us than the center and We more or less just reach in and grab the center and pull it out and drop it, and now it's just our stuff. You know, things like, I think it's super important that you dress up for church. I think you should wear suits and ties to church. Hey, that's not wrong. There's a lot of churches that love to do that, and a lot of people that love to do that. I actually have a Christmas suit on now. Like, it's not wrong to dress up, but you know what? all of a sudden we can say, why are we doing it? We're doing it to show a respect for God and a love for Him and lifting up who He is. And then all of a sudden we pull that out of the middle. Forget the respect and glory thing. If you don't wear a tie, you're in sin. You see it? Like all of a sudden we became legalistic. We could do something like, you know, it's about uh, being able to be casual and and make sure that we can reflect that Jesus Christ can be approached no matter how you are. And so so we wear jeans to church and we can reflect it that way. And then all of a sudden, you're in sin if you're not reflecting the casual relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what what I'm talking about? Like we can wrap some things around this God's glory, God's purpose, lift Him up, and all of a sudden the thing that's wrapped around it becomes more important, and boom, we made a donut. Be careful. We love to live those donuts. We love to live those little rules we've made up that we feel really comfortable with, and then we tell everybody else they're in sin if they're not living our donut. You know what I'm talking about? That's what Paul's writing about when he's writing to the book of Galatians. He's saying, hey, you made a donut. You got a problem. You lost the middle. You got an outer ring and it's worthless. Because the center is where it's all at. Get to the heart of the matter. You want to have a heart on fire for Christ? You better know what the center is. Because let me tell you, once you start eating the donut only, it dwindles fast. You start losing the purpose. You start losing the relationship. You start losing the joy. And everything starts fading. Get to the heart of the matter. We are basically going to be preaching an anti-donut sermon series. Yes, we're against donuts. But spiritual donuts. Yes, we are against it all being about the outer ring and nothing about the center. We are going to learn to focus on the center. That's what this is going to be about. How do we get to the center? How do we get to... The heart of the matter, and what should our heart be looking like each and every step of that way? That's where we're going to be going after. Okay, so today is the gospel-centered heart. That's where Paul starts. What a great place to start! Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for us. The gospel-centered heart. We're going to start in Galatians chapter one, verses one through ten. Ushers are going to be coming forward, and they've got some Bibles in their hands. So if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. Love to get one to you. We are going to be walking verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand and the ushers will get a Bible to you, okay? Just raise your hand. Alright. First step in the Gospel-centered heart. Embrace the life-giving Gospel of Jesus. Embrace the life-giving Gospel of Jesus. Where do we get it? We'll start in verse 1. Paul's just writing his standard introduction here. And he says, Paul, an apostle. You know, whenever you have to give your title... There's something going on. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is one of those moments where Paul's not saying, Paul, you know who I am. Let's just keep going. He's saying, Paul, you better be listening an apostle. Okay? What does apostle mean? It means one sent, one commissioned. It means he is an ambassador or representative of God Almighty. It means I have authority. I have position. And you need to be listening. That's all that's said in those two little words. Paul, Apostle. Ooh, time to listen up. Okay? Paul, an Apostle. Not from men, nor through men. Let me tell you something, guys. I didn't get this title because men named me that. I got this title because I met Jesus Christ personally. The word Apostle was applied to those who had actually met and walked with Jesus Christ in some way, shape, or form. Paul, he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. It was a very different kind of meet. It was a kind of meeting that was very authoritative. He was knocked on his back. He was woken up to, why are you persecuting me? Well, I thought I was doing the right thing. You aren't. It's time to get in line. I am Jesus Christ. It's time to follow me. And all of a sudden, the persecutor of those following Jesus was the one trying to make more followers of Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? Like, that's a God meeting. That's a moment where Paul became an apostle. He met Jesus Christ and he was given special insight and he was given special direction as to how to lead and guide and direct. Paul an apostle, not from men or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. I have been commissioned. By God himself listen up guys the next set of writings are going to be very important for you to hear that's what he's trying to say okay now he goes a little further he says through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him Jesus from the dead who raised Jesus from the dead we have God the Father and God the Son working in conjunction in a plan I'm going to get to the plan. It's in a little bit. It comes in the next paragraph. But he says, there's a plan. God the Father, God the Son working together and they've commissioned me. And guess what? I've got a bunch of brothers with me in Christ and we're all writing to you. I need you to know this is coming from all of us and ultimately from God himself. Here's the special message you need to hear. And then the rest of the letter continues. He says, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself... For our sins. Now, here comes the gospel message. He says, This is grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ. What did he do for us? He gave himself for our sins. Man, we can walk past those words so fast nowadays. I mean, we've been in church, we've heard that. But let's think about it for a second. Think back for a moment. This will be an uncomfortable moment. You ready? Deep breath. Think back in the last week. Where have I been? wrong. Where have I made some mistakes in my thinking, in my words, in my actions? Think about it for a second. It takes you longer than a second. You're amazing. Okay, you got a couple? Jesus Christ died for those sins. Let's embrace this. I mean, let's make it personal and real. Let's not just throw some words out there. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Blah, blah, blah. Move on. We can make it really impersonal and walk past it and it doesn't impact us. What in your life is wretched? What in my life? Where Jesus had to die for that attitude. For those words. For that action. And in the midst of those actions, where we are warranted nothing else but eternal separation from Him, Romans chapter 6, Just, that's what it's called for, eternal separation, nothing else. We have no relationship with God Almighty because of that sin in our life. And yet, God the Father, with an ultimate plan, says, Yes, my holiness demands eternal separation, but my love will be reaching out to establish relationship. And there will be no compromise. I will provide a replacement payment. I'm going to make available for you what's needed and what's called for. His shed blood on the cross for you and for me. Wow. Jesus Christ died for our sins. A replacement payment. The big word, propitiation. This idea of what I owed, I can't possibly make on my own, but He's making it for me. That is the center of the Gospel message. He says, Who gave Himself for our sins. Purpose. Why? To deliver us from the present evil age. This present evil age. This place of hurt, of pain, of fallenness, of junk, of every day when we wake up going, Man, it's good, but it could be a lot better. There's pain all over the place. There's mistakes all over the place. This place is falling apart. Here's what blows me away. When we turn on the news it's news that there's bad things going on. Did you notice that? I mean, have you ever turned on the news and they're like, it's amazing, there was a man who walked a woman across the street yesterday and helped her in the slippery ice. There was another amazing story of, you don't see those. Why aren't they telling the positive stories? Now that's news. Do you know what I'm saying? In this evil age, people are actually working in a way that honors God, in a way that lifts people up, that helps out, that's news. That's news. It's falling apart. Yeah, no kidding. Right? News. Somehow we just like the sensationalistic negative. What we really should be looking for is hope. And that's what Jesus Christ brings. In this evil age, He's the news station you can turn to that's all about hope and change and better and future. That's what we're talking about. He's here to deliver us from this evil age. Don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean no pain. Boy, that can be mistranslated fast. It doesn't mean right here, right now, once I know Jesus, everything's going fine. What it means is we have a hope of an eternal future with Him, where we can be delivered forward from this place to a place of perfection with Him. And in the meantime, we've got a progress we're going to be going through with Him, a process that we're going to be moving along with Him. It's going to at times bring some pain, because that's going to be that purifying factor in our lives. It's not about no pain. It's about growth with Him and an eventual no pain. Right? You with me? That's a big deal. He's delivering us from this evil age. All right. Then it says, according to the will of God the Father. According to the will of God and Father. This is the beautiful thing there's no compromise. The sovereign God of the universe reigning authority. And guess what? Absolutely, it aligns with His will. Did you know that every single thing that goes on in this universe aligns with His will? He will resist what He is not going to want to have happen. And what He allows to happen, He will work with. We have a sovereign God ruling authoritatively in this world. He is not stepping back and going, whatever. He is there, and everything is being sifted through His hand. There are times where we are going through pain we cannot understand. Know this. Your sovereign God has His arm around you and His sifting hand watching over. What's His purpose? You know what? We never exactly know, except that I can guarantee you this. He will be growing you through it. He will be showing more of His character through it, and He will be present. Our sovereign God at work in this world, and at work in your life. According to His will. That's a big phrase. God will not be thwarted. Hope. According to His will. And then it says, to whom be the glory forever and ever. To whom be the glory forever and ever. And then He signs it, Amen. Have you ever been writing a letter to a friend and you're writing along, and all of a sudden you're like, that's just so awesome, I just have to say Amen. And you type it in there. It says, Does that happen to you? That hasn't really happened to me. But I'm telling you, as he's going along here, he's just getting so pumped up. He finally says, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Now that's what it's about. Guess what he's saying? There's the center of your donut. That's the center. You better grab onto that. It's about his glory. It's about his will. It's about him reigning. Now that's the center. You want to get to the heart of the matter? Look for the amens. You know what I'm talking about? Amen? Amen. All right, Right? It's where's the center? This is the center. God's glory. God's will. His character shown off in our lives. And we are blown away and changed for a lifetime. Now that's hope. Now that's gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is simply this. That we have a God in His holiness and righteousness who is separate from us. Different from us. Other than us. Because we come up short. We go after our own things in our own way. And Romans 3.23 talks real clearly about that airball, That shooting and coming up short. And as the holy righteous God demands eternal payment, we are missing the mark. And yet, in His love and His righteousness, He comes together in this combination and He provides for us at the cross the replacement payment. Him stepping in for you and saying, My shed blood is available. Just ask. Just believe. Just lean on Me. It's by grace through faith. Just lean on Me and I will wash you white as snow. Lean on Me and My righteousness will clothe you. Lean on Me and your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Lean on Me and you will be called a child of the Almighty King. Lean on Me and you will be a new creation. Lean on Me. That's where life is. Lean on Me. Trust in what I've done. Trust in My shed blood as a replacement payment for what you owe. Now that's hope. Amen? The Gospel. You know, I wrote down here, the Gospel in four words. You ready? This is a nice little harvest thing that I'd heard when we were up in Naperville. The Gospel in four words. Jesus died for me. The Gospel in four words. Write it down. Jesus died for me. Okay? Jesus died for me. The Gospel in three words. Him for me. Him for me. The Gospel in two words. For those of you who are on the more heady side of life, loving theology. Substitutionary atonement. Right? It's this idea of His shed blood replacing what I owe. Substitutionary. Atonement. Making it so we can have a relationship with Him. Substitutionary atonement. Two words. Him for me. Three words. Jesus died for me. Four words. The Gospel. That's the Gospel message. That's what's at the core of who we are. That's where our heart needs to be centered. On the Gospel. You know, we, uh, we lift up this Gospel message. We preach it. We're excited about it. We celebrate it. Last week we had about 400 and some gallons of water sitting right here. And we did some baptisms. We had 23 baptisms we did last week. I think it was uh, 11 or 12 in the first service and 10 in the second service. So whatever that is. Maybe it was 13 in the first, whatever. We ended up with 23 total baptisms. And in that, we did some testimonies. Each person shared just a little bit. What was it that they came to know Christ through? How and when did you come to know Christ? A little bit of a story of how they came to find Him. Some as adults, some as kids. Some through some high school or college things. Some through their parents. Some through tough times in relationship that was blowing up. Marriages that weren't going right. And the right people and the right neighbors and the right friends coming alongside. Tons of different stories going on. Got at work. And in each and every case, it came down to this. Trusting in what Jesus Christ did for them in His work on the cross. You know, we had uh, even one couple specifically that went through some marriage problems, and their statement as they came out the backside of those marriage struggles was this. We found that we needed Jesus Christ as our Savior. Their phrase was, now we have purpose. And both of them were saying the same thing. Now I have purpose. Now I know who I'm living for. Now I know where I'm going. Now I know what life's about. Purpose in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for me. Him for me substitutionary atonement it's life-changing amen the baptism service was an awesome moment of celebrating wasn't it how many of you were there for it were you there all right was that a good service or what i mean we had yeah let's you know what we had an awesome opportunity to hear some testimonies and the neat part is as pastors we're just kind of along for the ride and the testimonies were what the message was and we just heard great dynamic moments. And then we were able to sing together and worship and celebrate while we were transitioning to the next group. And just an awesome sequence to be able to celebrate baptisms. God at work. Embracing the Gospel. Hear me on this. It's time to embrace the Gospel. Here we go in 2010. My question for you is this. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have You need to answer it yes or no right now. If the answer is yes, great. Hang on just a second. If the answer is no, here's my question for you. Do you want to have a moment, a time where you can put a stake in the ground, a date that you can claim? And today's a good date because it's one 10 That's kind of easy to remember. It's a bunch of ones and zeros. one 10 What about today being your day? The day that you commit your life to Jesus Christ. The day that you say, it's done for me walking on my own. It's done for me trying to get it done with my own works, my own efforts. I'm leaning on His shed blood and what He's done for me. Today's the day I'm giving myself over to Jesus Christ. Now's the moment. Maybe you already have done that. And you're sitting as a believer and you're saying, yeah, then what about me? Have you made a donut out of it? Have you started wrapping some other things around it that have become more important and all of a sudden you're losing sight of the gospel center? Maybe this is the year we say it's time to get back to the basics. It's time to get back to a gospel-centered living, a powerful living with our Savior. It's time to make that the number one thing in my life, loving Him and thanking Him with all I've got. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do real quickly. Let's just bow our heads right here. If you're in a moment where you're saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. I want to establish this relationship with God. I don't know how. Here's a simple way. You can follow after me. It's not the magic of the words. It's not the magic of the prayer. It's, I really want to commit my life to him, and he hears your heart in it. But just follow after me and say silently as I'm praying, okay? I'm going to pray a phrase. You pray the phrase right after me silently to the Lord, just laying yourself out to him. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I am amazed with who You are. I know You call me to be perfect, but I'm not. I know the cost of being imperfect is eternal separation from You. Please forgive me for that sin. Please use Jesus' shed blood on the cross to replace what I owe. Him for me. Lord, I want to be your child. I give you my heart. I want to be cleansed and I want to run hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer this morning and really meant it, if you're laying yourself out to Him, welcome to the family. Your name is written in the book of life. You've become a child of God. You've become a new creation. These are all phrases in Scripture for what it means when we're accepting Him and just laying ourselves before Him. It's an adventure. It's a journey. We'd love to run it with you. Come and talk to me afterwards. Talk to Pastor Kent afterwards. We've got some stuff at the back on the information table. Just grab one of these. So what's next? There's a a little booklet that we put together, a little uh, kind of bag that we put together with some answers in there for you on next steps. It's important that we start this year embracing the Gospel life. May we simply take this life-giving truth of who Jesus is and make it our own and go hard after Him. It's time. It's time to write some new news stories. My heart being changed for Him from the inside out. Amen? It's time for us to be rocked by who He is. It's time for us to say 2010 is going to be a celebration of who He is. May I no longer be in this kind of bored to tears hearing what this name Jesus thing, but may I now experience Him alive in my life. I want to go after seeing Him change me like I've never seen it before. I'm going after worshiping Him. 2010. That's a pretty good plan next step to the gospel-centered heart is not just embracing that gospel, that life-giving gospel, but resist turning to an alternate gospel. Resist turning to an alternate gospel. You know, this church in Galatia that Paul wrote to, they heard that gospel message. They embraced that gospel message. They ran hard after Jesus Christ. They leaned upon Him. They trusted in Him. They were actually moving in a path with Him. And yet, somebody got to them. He says, Paul says, I am astonished. That word means, basically, I am taken aback. I am amazed. You could say, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Say it with me. Just say, that's what he was. The first time somebody came in and said, I'm just telling you, that church in Galatia area, they went astray. They've gone their own way. They've decided to listen to some other junk. Paul goes, What? I'm astonished. I am amazed that you so quickly deserted him. So quickly. You know, it's not really known what this means here. It either means from the moment you were saved, it took but just a little bit of time and you were already off course. Could have meant that. Or it could have meant that as soon as you ran into the first bogus challenged to your truth, you immediately veered off. One way or another, there was this quickness to the falling away. There was this, you aren't standing on the truth. You aren't trusting in the thing that has saved you and changed you. You have left the miracle at work in you. You are leaving and deserting the One who has saved you. He says that you have deserted Him who called you in the grace of Christ. Deserted. That's a rough word, isn't it? That means like, left in the dust. Jesus standing alone and you're not with Him. Why did you go and leave Him at the cross and you have gone your own way? It's a pretty harsh word picture going on here from Paul. He's saying, you took the core of the donut and you begun to wrap your own junk around it. He says right after it here, that you have deserted Him, the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Turning to a different gospel. Now we're going to touch on this real quickly. There's really two different words for another in the original language, in the Greek. And you see them here. It says, you turn to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. So can you hear it in the English? You're wrestling with it a little bit in the English, but you can hear he says, you turn to a different one, not that there is another one. You're like, "Uh, okay, so we're calling it different, but it's not real. Here's what he's really saying. In the Greek, there's two words for another. There's a word that says another of a different kind, and then there's one that says another of the same kind. And what he said is, you have turned to one of another of a different kind. It's a gospel that isn't the gospel. It's a gospel that doesn't depend on Jesus Christ. It's of a different kind. You haven't turned to one of the same kind. You hear it? That's what he's saying. He's saying, look guys, here's the problem. You have begun to go after, and we look into the history of it all, we find out there's these Judaizers. And what they're teaching is that you actually have to go back and begin to follow the law and become a Jew, or you actually can't become a believer. They actually started teaching things like, if you're not circumcised, you're not following through with the law. If you don't follow through with the law, forget this whole salvation thing. All of a sudden, salvation is coming by works. You see in the donut getting built? What did they do? Gospel center. Salvation through Jesus Christ. And and they start wrapping around it. Some things that will show us to be uniquely committed to Him. That would be a good idea. To show we're uniquely committed to Him. And then they turn around and go, and if you don't do it, then then the middle isn't even there for you. Really? Is that what it says in Scripture? No. You see, what they began to do is create a rules of self-righteousness. A way of doing works to be saved. A way of adding some human things to do that would get you to a point of in good relationship with God. It's junk. They created a donut. They took the Gospel Center wrapped some nice work around the outside of it, and then went to the middle, cut the gospel out, and said Christ is second. It's actually this that's first. Follow the law. they got problems. And in the middle of that challenge, they're then distracting and distorting. It says here, there is another one, but there are some who trouble you, these people coming in with these junk stories, and want to distort the gospel. You know, Distort. This word literally means to take what was behind and put it in front and take what is front and put it in behind. This twisting and making front be back and back be front. Isn't that exactly what they did? When they take the gospel center of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and say, forget that, you've got to follow these laws or else. They've all of a sudden made it about works. And in the middle of making it about works, I guess I just ask you this question today and i hear it a lot. I, you know what? I did pretty good this week. I went to church twice. Or i've actually taken communion 3 times in the last 2 months to try to i've actually confessed to other people. What do you see how we're beginning to list human actions when really we need to be saying i've fallen on my knees before my savior. And i've just said Please forgive me. Wash me clean with your shed blood. May I just be with you. That's salvation. It's all about this. If we could say it in one word picture, think of it this way. You're moving along, and all of a sudden, right here, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Bam! That's where we're saved. Now, works start to look like a thank you offering. I'm amazed with who you are, Lord. I'm in awe of what you're doing. May I give back to you. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation. That's already done. I'm amazed with who you are. May I just thank you with the whole of who I am. Every time we serve in the church, every time we reach out to another one, every time we just do whatever it is we're called to do, it's a thank you offering, not a saving move. Do we get it? Let's not create the donut where we wrap it around and say, this is also now needed for saving. No. It's just needed to do a really good thank you. You see the difference? We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's the end of it. It's the main thing. Trust in Jesus Christ with all you've got. We're done. That's what it takes to be saved. Now let me teach you how to be a really good thanker. It's get out there and serve. It's worship Him with all you've got. It's that complete discipleship. Worship, walk, work, and witness. And we do that... As an unbelievable thank you offering back to him, not to be saved, but to say, "I'm amazed that I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing." That keeps us from making the donut. You see it? They didn't get it. And in the midst, Paul is saying to him, "Stop making the donut. Get rid of this legalistic junk. You've wrapped the extras around the salvation gospel, and you're ruining the core because Jesus Christ shed blood is." fully sufficient, and wholly only needed. And it is all. If we can say, Christ is all I need, all I need is Christ alone, then we get it. If we say, and, we just blew it. That's what he's trying to say. Do we get it? Protect. Respond. Be careful. Resist. Because there will be people coming in and wanting to add to the junk. Okay, It is not about the stacks of junk that we can bring in. It is about that core center that Jesus Christ provides for us. Be very careful. You know, we look here, it says, some who trouble you. This will bring great issue into our body. People will come in believing some really sad things. They will have come from churches that created unbelievably gorgeous donuts. And they tasted really good when they lived there. I'm just telling you, they're going to come in and they're going to have legalistic endeavors and you might be one of them right now where you came from a church where the way you did things felt really good. You really liked the way you were living. But the reality is, there was a distortion that came into it. And all of a sudden, what you wear, whatever, these different things that come into play start to wrap around the salvation piece. You're in sin if you don't. Be very careful with it. It can cause great damage to the body. There is huge latitude for us to live as complete disciples, but there is one way. Amen? Amen? There is one way. Three ways you know you've been buying into or believing a distortion. This is not inspired. This is just three possible ways. Okay? Three possible ways. First of all, if you are not focusing on Jesus' work on the cross, if that's not the number one thing you list, you got a problem going on. When we're talking about salvation, that better be number one and that's the end of it. Jesus' work on the cross. We start hearing people say, well, I've done, well, I have, well, let me tell you what I think about. Problem. It's Jesus' work, not my work. Okay? So, number one way we know we bought into a distortion, we seem to put the word I in there instead of Jesus. It's Jesus' work. Number two, it leaves you with a sense of being demoralized. Whatever you're buying into and believing, whatever you're living, you're kind of going, I don't get it. It's driving me to depression. I'm, I'm completely hopeless. There's something not in alignment in your thinking. There's something distorted. It's something about who God is. It's something about what God has promised. It's something about how you're to respond in the midst of that. There's a twisting somewhere. Are you looking for a God who's going to be a sugar daddy and everything's going to be awesome as long as you follow him? So as if, you're, if you're running into a painful moment, I must not be following him. I must be in sin. Be careful. You might be, or you might be in a moment where God's saying it's growth time. He doesn't promise us a life of no pain. He promises us a life of growth and change. The privilege of looking more like Him. If you're being demoralized, if you're being taken down a notch emotionally, trust me, something's distorted. Find it. Is it your view of God? Is it your view of circumstances and how they should go? Is it your view of, Rewards here on earth. Look for it. Something's being distorted. We got to talk it through. If you need to talk it through, call Pastor Steve, myself, Kent. We'd love to talk with you. That's got to be dealt with. Okay. Number three, it leaves you wanting more. It's just not satisfying. You know, there's got to be something else. I'm telling you what. if If you're saying there's got to be something else, you haven't met Jesus. If you're saying there's got to be something else, you're, you're trying to feed self. Have you ever gone to a buffet? It's all about food today. Have you ever gone to a buffet and you're like going through and you look at this gorgeous layout and you start taking stuff and it all tastes really good, right? And you're like, I could just keep eating forever. And you get partway in and now you start to feel sick. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, man, I still haven't even gotten to the dessert bar. And so you go back for more anyway, because it's the American thing to do. So you go back and you're getting even more and by the end of it you don't have a very good feeling about the food you've eaten. Do you know what I'm talking about? You just went into this big self-gratifying, pour it on no matter how unhealthy it is, bring it in, self self me me, and guess what? We end up sick on it. Same thing happens in life. If we're living life in a way that's all about self, look out. It's going to be un- ungratifying. It is going to leave you wanting more. Get back to the core basics. It's Jesus Christ. Him crucified, His glory, His will. It's going to really clean things up. You look at it and you go, oh, that sounds oversimplified. I'm telling you. You watch life change when you take your job, your family, your friends, whatever it is you're talking about, and you say, What does Jesus Christ want? His glory, His will, His way. Boom, simplified. And man, is it rewarding. There is nothing like knowing that no matter what's going on around me, no matter what tornado blowing, no matter what harsh winds are cutting in, no matter what pain is going on, this is exactly where He wants me. I'm learning, God. What do you want me to learn? It's tough stuff. am telling you, I've been through it. I know the deep pains we can go through. Loss of family members. Harsh, harsh hurts. Job losses. Family that isn't doing the things they should be doing. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. It hurts. Trust Him. Stand in the middle of it and say, God, my truth will not be distorted. I will not buy the wrong gospel. I will not be moved to an alternate gospel. It is You, Your will, Your glory. I'm standing firm. Give me the strength, Lord. Please give me the strength. Now that's a plan. My question for you is this. What is it for you that you're allowing to get distorted? What's the alternate gospel that's getting to you? be a tough one to diagnose but you got to think it through are you allowing the truth of God's character and the truth of his plan here to be real in your life it's time for us to run hard after him with all we've got his will his glory so first embrace the gospel second resist the alternate gospels and last real quickly just deal with those bringing the false gospel Paul's a little bit direct here we'll just say it He says but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. The actual word here was anathema. Condemned to hell. Let him be removed forever. I'm telling you this. If somebody comes in saying the truth is, and they share something other than Jesus died on the cross for your sins, they've missed it. And it's grievous if they're sharing it in the body on a regular basis. Do not allow it. Be venomous for it. We as pastors, we as small group leaders, for those of you here that are small group leaders, we must be protecting this truth. It is always about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is always about His work on the cross for us. The gospel-centered life. Allow Him the preeminence He deserves. May we just give Him that. It says even further than that, as we have said before, so now I say to you again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. If it's me that says it, the preacher, if it's the Apostle Paul, if it's angels, I don't care who, if they're saying something other than the Gospel, it's done. That's what he's saying. The truth is the truth and that's the end of it. There's an absolute truth and we'll stick to it. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. I change not. Malachi 3.6 That's why. Because we serve a God that does not change. We have a gospel that will not change. We have a God that can be trusted. Amen? Now that's hope. It's lean on the gospel, live by the gospel, hold true to the gospel, no matter what pressures coming, no matter who's coming in. We will not be moved. That is where we stand. He says in the end, "For I am now seeking the approval, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He was a Pharisee. Lots of people liked him. Thought pretty highly of him. But he turned to follow Christ. He's basically saying this. You have a choice. Fear of man or fear of God. That's your choice. Am I going to worry about what others think of me? Or am I going to worry about what God thinks of me? You want to start getting rid of the distortion in your life? You start asking that question. What does God think? What does God want? What are his principles that I find in his scripture? I am not going to be afraid of what man thinks. I want to know what God thinks. I fear his thoughts, his desires, and his will. I want to respect my Lord. It's fear of God versus fear of man. That's the plan. Paul delivers it right at the end here, and he simply says this. We've got to deal with those who are bringing the junk. How do we deal with them? Well, number one, we're going to share the truth. We're going to be pretty direct about it. We're going to share it regularly. You have a chance to share with somebody you might run into where they're talking about something and you can say, hey, that's not really what Scripture says. Let me show you. We bring the truth and then you hand them over to God. It isn't about, notice it says, let them be accursed. It's God's work. Okay? Let them be accursed. But we will be about holding true to the truths of this Scripture. Please hold me accountable to the truths of this Scripture. It will be preached correctly or I won't be preaching. That's the end of it. We're very serious about it, okay? That is where we will stay in line. Stay in line with His Word. Stay in line with His Spirit. You know, A.B. Simpson was talking about the Gospel and he simply said it this way. The Gospel is God reconciled to man. The Gospel is justice satisfied. The Gospel is sin atoned for. The Gospel is Judgment of the guilty being revoked. The Gospel is the condemnation of the sinner, canceled. The Gospel is curse of the law, blotted out. The gates of hell, closed. The portals of heaven, opened wide. The power of sin, subdued. The guilty conscience, healed. The broken heart, comforted. Sorrow and misery of the fall, undone. Do not distort His Gospel. Amen? We will be worshiping him. We will be celebrating him. We will be worshiping Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We have a chance to stand up and celebrate that it is all about Christ and Christ alone. We have a chance in 2010 to say, I want a gospel-centered heart. I want a Jesus-centered heart. I want to lift him up. I want to worship him. I want to praise him. I want to live for him. I want to say, it's all about him. Nothing else. Let's get rid of the donuts. Let's throw away all the outside stuff. Go right to the middle. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, His glory, His will. Now that is a plan worth celebrating. Amen? It's time for us to go hard after. It's time for us to go hard after Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's pray.